And in the Big Print Bible on page 1607, or in the Church Bible on page 1004. And the crowds followed Jesus. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those who with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God, but he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. This is the word of the Lord. It's the final talk in our series, Thriving on Your Frontline. I thought it would be helpful to very briefly summarize what's been said so far. Now, Mike uh, started with the premise that we all have a frontline, and whatever that frontline, we are called as Christians to thrive and to shape the culture within it by inviting uh, Jesus to be with us and to help us do that. The following week, we looked at vocation and how each one of us is called to use our gifts in a unique way on our front line. As we choose to trust God and be obedient to our calling, the fruit of what we do becomes part of God's redemption and his kingdom on earth. Part of thriving on our front line is also daring to be ambitious. And last week, uh, Clive Mather encouraged us to be ambitious, to be the best we can possibly be so we can make a difference for Jesus and his kingdom. So, as we look to thrive on our front line, shaping the culture we're in, using our gifts and being ambitious, we also need to keep a healthy perspective on our work-life balance. And it's about work-life balance that I've been asked to talk, talk today. If asked about our work-life balance, I suspect we'd all have very different opinions as to what it means to us personally. Here are quotes from three entrepreneurs. Ben Yoskovitz says, I tend to lose track of what's important in life when I'm running around the office. A vacation with my family helps correct that. Your entrepreneurial spirit should help build what is important, not destroy it. Julia Hartz says, take care of yourself when you don't sleep, eat rubbish, don't exercise, and are living off adrenaline for too long, your performance suffers, your decisions suffer, your work suffers. Love those close to you. Failure in what you do is not failure in life. Failure in your relationships 
is. Steve Blank says, when you're gone, would you rather have your gravestone say, he never missed a meeting, or the one that said, he was a great father? And the Dalai Lama says, man sacrifices his health in order to make money. Then he sacrifices money to recuperate his health. And then he is so anxious about the future that he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or the future. He lives as if he's never going to die. And then he dies having never really lived. Rather than open up this debate, however tempting that is, I thought it'd be more helpful for us to spend the first part of this talk reminding ourselves of the one thing we know for sure uh, comes out of the whole work-life balance issue, and that is the importance of rest. The importance of rest. I then want to spend the second part of the talk focusing on what, is, what it really means to rest, because even when resting and away from our work, there are many of us who struggle to switch off and refresh. So, let's start with work-life balance. Our front line can often feel overwhelming. Does that resonate with anyone? I know it does. I'm reminded of when I was living in North Florida for a year and working for a football club in Jacksonville. Now, this is Bible Belt country where there is a strong expectation on men, women, and children to keep it together. I saw firsthand the craziness of what it is to be a soccer mum. Yes, everything they say about soccer mums is true. They spend their entire lives rushing and ferrying their children to soccer practices and weekend soccer matches, and every other evening baking and cleaning and shopping and entertaining until they are wrung dry and have to do it all over again. I could tell that beneath the glossy, preened, high-functioning, high-achieving families, that behind the closed doors of those impressive houses and manicured lawns were often exhausted women and men. Yes, it's very easy to get sucked into all we do on our front line. What I'd call frontline performance and to choose not to rest because we need to keep the show on the road. If we allow our frontline performance to engulf us, we can miss the moment. In fact, we can miss the moment altogether. Now, I, I enjoy people watching, and especially in the series First Dates. Each episode brings together in the first date's restaurant, couples who have been matched but have never met. Now, I don't know if anyone here saw the episode with the city guy who was matched for a lunch date. He was successful in what he did, but spent a great deal of time at work, and so had missed out 
on finding a life partner and was, by his own admission, uh, quite lonely at times. Yet it was very clear from the off that the magic wasn't going to happen. And to anyone watching, it would have been obvious why. Our city romantic was incapable of switching off. He was present and yet absent. He was tall, good-looking, immaculately turned out, and had a degree of charm. But his focus and attention were not on the beautiful and inspiring woman opposite him. He was good at talking about what he did, but not great at asking her about what she loved in life. And things came to an excruciating and embarrassing end when, having glanced on and off at his phone throughout lunch, he finally took a call and left his date stranded for at least 10 minutes before declaring that he had to go back to the office because he had an urgent meeting. It is easy to gradually allow our front line, whether it's at home, in the surgery, in the workshop, studio or office, whether it's in college or on the shop floor, wherever it is, to allow that front line to become our everything at the cost of relationships, at the cost of missing the moment. And as you well know, it's relationships and precious moments that keep us going and keep us alive. That's why knowing when to take a break and when to slow down is so important. In Japan, there's actually a word for death by overwork. It's karoshi. According to Newsweek, health activists there estimate that 30,000 people a year die from overworking. Resting is vital, not only for ourselves, but so we can nurture our relationships with others and with God himself. God shows us in creation that resting is part of the bigger picture in which our amazing world was created in six days and the creator himself took a rest on the seventh. The pinnacle of creation is rest. God took a day off. And so, built into our humanness is not only work, but rest. There is a rhythm, and the seasons themselves are a beautiful and constant reminder of the need for nature and living things to take regular breaks in order to survive and be fruitful. In the same way, we need to rest in order to survive and lead the lives God intended for us. If we don't rest, our work won't flourish. Okay. The reality, however, is far more challenging. As for most of us, our front line feels like a, what I call survival mode. So what does it mean to be in survival mode? 
Survival mode is about surviving every day as we steer a course through our lives. It's about keeping our head above water in the day-to-day grind. Survival mode looks different for each of us. For some, it's about staying in control as much as we can. Now, this might feel like a non-stop roller coaster ride as we juggle keeping the body fed, fit, and energized, making sure there's enough money in the bank, doing the best we can when we work, and trying to rest and recuperate when we're not, getting to different places on time, renewing our weekly train pass, not forgetting to buy the toothpaste, and searching for our phone when we've lost it, or worse, getting it fixed when a child has dropped it in the loo. For others... Survival can actually feel like plodding along. Plodding is the safe route. Whether we, where we keep our head down, we get on with it, and we don't uh, think about it too much. The minimum interaction is the best way to get by. But the bottom line is, it's not enough. And there is a yearning and a restlessness in our soul to break out. For some, rather like our soccer mum, it's a place where all sorts of expectations are set on us in different ways, and we feel compelled to meet them. Or a place where our identity and purpose may be dependent on what we achieve. And so we push on until we become driven, and our drivenness gradually becomes the person we are. In short, survival mode is everyday living for most of us. I think the word survival is a good one because the pace of life and the complexities and challenges we face each day sometimes make us feel we're having to survive rather than just gently sail our ship. It's in this habit of surviving that we can easily stop being human beings and become human doings. We may gradually lose the perspective we initially had when we first marched out onto our front line, head held high and full of good intentions and dreams to make a difference and live life to the full. It's easy to forget the reasons why we first did what we do, to forget the value of what we do now, to forget our purpose, and to forget how to rest. And it's rest I now want to take a closer look at. Do we know what it is to rest? And when to rest. We're told in the gospel accounts that even Jesus, at different times in his ministry, needed to withdraw from his front line and pray. In our passage, Mark tells us on this occasion, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Because he was healing countless numbers of people, The word got out across the whole region, and people were now gathering in their thousands to glimpse him and hear him and touch him. 
Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. Jesus' situation on his front line was overwhelming, and he needed space. He needed to take a step back. Have we learned how to withdraw? Even if we have learned to regularly take a break, it could be that like our city guy on his blind date, we struggle to fully relax. So when we stop, have we learned to switch off? It could be we're just as stretched, stressed off our front line than on it. How then do we rest? In order to rest, we need to embrace spirit mode. We've looked at what it means to struggle in survival mode, and clearly surviving is part of life. But that isn't the complete picture. As David Benner says in his book, Being and Becoming, to be human is to be suspended between the great polarities of our existence. We are dust and breath, matter and spirit, divine DNA and feet of clay. To be human is to live with the tension of the paradoxes that we are. So what does it mean to be in spirit mode? Spirit mode is about being open to the Holy Spirit every day as we allow him to steer a course through our lives. It is being open to the Holy Spirit every day as we allow him to steer a course for our lives. It's also about learning to live as God intended rather than just trying to survive against all the odds. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Life to the full. How can we be open to the Holy Spirit, and what difference does this make? Well, for those of us looking to stay in control as much as we can, for those of us who feel exhausted by the constant weight of expectation from the world, it means occasionally letting go on the white knuckle roller coaster ride. Easier said than done. But sometimes we just need to let go and let God. You've all heard that before. We've all heard it. Let go and let God. Janie often uh, gives me the push I need when I get stressed and I'm taking myself and life way too seriously or worrying about what others think. And she'll simply say, just stop for a second and allow yourself to free fall. Stop for a second and allow yourself to free fall. So when we're right up there at the coal face, stop just for a second and allow yourself to free fall. It's great, I tell you, it's great. It's worked for me. I'm an incredibly intense person, 
a lot of the time. And basically what Janie's reminding me to do, I'm very lucky I've got Janie. Some people might not have a Janie or, or a Harry or whatever to tell them. But I've got a Janie who can just remind me, you know, don't take yourself quite so seriously. Don't take life quite so seriously. Just allow yourself to free fall. God's with you. Jesus is with you, you know. It's going to be okay. What about those who feel restless because all they seem to do is plod along? As Clive said last Sunday, be brave enough to ask the Holy Spirit to inspire you and show you opportunities on your front line. Be ambitious enough to take those opportunities, to seize the day, carpe diem, and make the difference. I'm a complete coffee snob and therefore very particular about the coffee I drink, and I hope there are people here who can relate to that, that I'm not a complete freak. A habit picked up when living in New Zealand where the coffee is amazing. So you can imagine how strange it would be for me to walk into one of Guildford's uh, boutique coffee shops, heavy with the smell of freshly ground coffee blends, and to, and to order a Nescafe, please, white with one sugar. God offers us the richest blend and wants us to taste it rather than sticking to our usual. What about those whose identity has collapsed into what they do on their front line? Well, Jesus teaches us that seeking our identity in him will bring the freedom we need. I used to run an organization called Sorot, which promoted Sorot dance across the UK. A a form of partner dance, for those of you who don't know. It's a lot of fun, really easy to pick up. Now, when I started Siroc, I wasn't a Christian, and Janie can vouch for that. The dance took off, and the more successful the organization became, the more I held on to it, until I effectively became Mr. Siroc. I was at the center of the world I had created. Then, one day, to my surprise, I invited Jesus into my life. On becoming a Christian, I was scared that God was going to ask me to give up Sirach. You can imagine. I began to pray about it, and over a period of a year and a half, things became a lot clearer as I began to realize that God was asking me to let go of Sirach, not to leave it, to let go of it, not to leave it. And I can see now so clearly why I had to let go. To leave room for him to change me so I could become more the person he wants me to be. The result was transformation. From my work being the center of a life in which I never really rested and was constantly anxious, fact, I developed a new perspective in which I was asking Jesus to lead me. Oh, and by the way, Sirot went on to grow from strength to strength. So, in short, spirit mode 
is walking in step with the Holy Spirit. With his perspective, what we do on our front line isn't a labor that drives us and exhausts us. Instead, inspired by him, we thrive to survive. And the work we do, whatever it is, becomes our expression of worship and service to God and connection and service to others. So our work becomes an expression of us and what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. It becomes an expression. As Mike reminded us when speaking about how we can shape the culture we're in, everything we do on our front line, your front lines, everything you do is part of God's redemption plan for humankind. That means every little act of kindness will be caught up in the new earth. And the spirit of love with which we do what we do, whether it's listening when you're not interested, or making the tea, or covering for a colleague, or simply doing a bank transaction, everything we do in love will count. Paul says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. It's in this habit of walking in step with the Holy Spirit that we, we can be human beings rather than become human doings. So, Let's continue each day to spend some time, even if it's just a short time, in spirit mode. Getting to know God, talking with him, and sharing with him our hopes and dreams, our difficulties and struggles. He, in turn, will help us recognize his promptings and discern his will for us in our lives. And it's out of this being that the doing then comes. So it's out of this being that the doing then comes. So just coming into land here, a sort of practical thing. Share with others and don't travel on your own if you, if you can help it. Okay, I'm very lucky I've got Janie. I'm very lucky. Um, and she understands me. Some of you might not be in that situation. I've always been uh, supported also on my front line in my life group. So I'm just really encouraging you to be honest and open and truthful with your life group. And if you're not in a life group, I'd encourage you to get alongside one person, two people, three people, um, and, you know, journey with them, travel with them. Uh, people in my life group used to give me words and pictures, especially when things were um, difficult with Sirot. I'd get words and pictures, and they would pray for me. That was brilliant, and I was able to do the same for them. So, to finish... The paradox in all of this is the more we let go 
in survival mode, the more the creator of life itself will take care of us. The more we surrender the business, the busyness of our lives to him, the more we will receive freedom and the rest that comes with it.